Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Crow and Joe show. I am Joe. My pronouns are he and him. And I'm Crow, and mine are she and her. This is our show where we basically do deep dive analysis using our English degrees and years and years of insightful, fascinating thoughts on whatever pop culture stuff we actually think is cool. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, and our opinion is the only correct opinion and the only valid opinion. And anyone who doesn't agree, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. I just want you to know that. You know, I want to put that out there. <laughs> So, when we first, when Crow first pitched this show, uh, the piece of media we were always going to talk about was Avatar The Last Airbender. Probably my favorite animated thing ever. Ever. Yeah. Which is so funny to me because you didn't watch it growing up. Yeah. I, I watched it after I was already uh, still dumb, but an adult. Uh, it just... I was homeschooled, okay? I, when we grew up, we weren't allowed to. We watched a lot of Captain Planet, mm -hmm. and we watched whatever was on the Disney Channel. And that was pretty much all that we had access to. Uh, so I didn't watch anime growing up. I didn't grow up on Dragon Ball Z or Arthur or, like, anything that... Arthur was PBS. We didn't even watch that. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z religiously with mm -hmm. my brother, and I wrote, like, a report on it in eighth grade. What did you get? you remember i well we also had to like present our reports and so i wrote about the creator of dragon ball z mm. not necessarily the like show mm -hmm. but because you know this was what 19 <laughs> like 1999 2000 like 2000 2001 Nobody was into anime back then. Like, anime was not, like, a culturally accepted thing to be into. Mm -hmm. So I was too embarrassed to, like, read my report in front of the entire class. Oh, no. Because, like, nobody in my school was, like, into that, except for, like, me and my brother. Really? I ran with all... Okay, as soon as I started going to actual high school with, you know, humans, mm -hmm. I fell in with a theater group, and they were all massive anime fans. Yeah, that's high school. Yeah, that no, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Um, running it back, run, <laughs> running it back. Uh, we are going to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's on Netflix now. You now, can watch finally. it. Finally. Finally. Uh, and it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's great. Spoiler alert. But we're gonna break it down, and we are going to approach it from a few sort of lenses. Some are specific to my interests, some are specific to Crow's interests, and some we agreed on to use specifically for this piece of media. We're going to run through book one in the next few episodes, three-ish, two to three episodes at a time, depending on how many of them are doozies. And we're going to finish book one, take a break with something else, and then move into book two. And we're going to kind of look at this as if we've never really seen it before. Hmm. In a sense of like, we will be giving spoilers because we will be incorporating, you know, because we both have seen it before. We will be incorporating like that knowledge, but I'm kind of tackling it like my first time consuming this media, which it also kind of is in a way because I haven't seen it since I was a kid when it came out in like 2000, what, six, eight? Four? It was earlier four? than 2006. It was like 2004. Oh, I think you're right. Five or four? 2004. Last so I haven't week we seen knew it. this. 
I haven't seen it for 10 plus years. <laughs> we'll say that. Mm -hmm. So it is almost kind of like rewatching it in a sense for me, but I have a very um, deep, like it's a core memory of my like teenage years. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, yeah. So the topics that I've picked are characters, that's no, mine. That's, your, that's totally yours. No, you're you're at the top of the show because your name comes first. Okay, my topics are magic systems and exposition. And mine are characters, like character relationships, and like world building slash like the visuals of it. And then for this show in particular, we're going to look at two concepts: power and portrayal. Yeah. And these are going to mean a few different things. We started out with some more specific ideas, but they were too nitty gritty, too like not flexible enough. And one of the places this came from was a desire to look at Zuko and Katara and their individual journeys and what that says about the entire show. Yeah. And from the very beginning, they're paralleled mm -hmm. heavily. And so I think those two are really good pick to kind of put that lens on them as characters. Seems like a good place to start. How would you say the, so we're talking about episodes one through three, episodes mm -hmm. one and two are the pilot where we're introduced. It's a two-parter where we're introduced to the world and the characters for the first time. Then in episode three, spoiler alert, uh, in the A plot, they go to the air temple and Aang discovers that he's the last airbender. Mm -hmm. And in the B-plot, Zuko meets Commander Zhao for the first time and confronts him. So now that we've sort of laid out the groundwork, why don't you talk a little bit about the parallels that appear from the very beginning? What are your thoughts on that? So what I wrote down and what I noticed about their characters immediately was that they're both uh, really persnickety, <laughs> right? They like things a very specific way. They know how they like things and they want things that way. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they both take themselves very seriously. And even though Katara is 14 and Zuko is 16, they're both very like, they take themselves very seriously mm -hmm. as teenagers, right? Yes. And then they both have the comedic relief relative which balances out how serious they are. Mm -hmm. So just even immediately those, you know, and then of course they both don't have, they both lost their mother. Right. <laughs> oh, my mother. <laughs> I, I love and hate how like that's turning into a meme. <laughs> um, but so just kind of immediately, you can kind of see that they are set up in a way that they mirror each other almost, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, I feel like uh, Zuko and Katara winding up together can feel. <laughs> uh, I hear a great disturbance in the forest as if a thousand ships just launched at the same time into a graveyard where many battles have been fought over the years. Which I feel like. <laughs> Them winding up together is not that far of a stretch. <laughs> okay. Which is also weird that, like, our generation, it was either Aang and Katara or Zuko and Katara. And now it's, like, Sokka and Zuko. 
and Sokka and Toph. And like Sokka, like everyone's thirsting over him. And I'm like, <laughs> In these troubled is... times, someone with a sense of humor is a hot commodity. <laughs> That's so funny. Which is so weird, because like that wasn't a thing growing up with this show. And then people watching it now who are my age when it came mm -hmm. out, like shipping and making fan cams and like making it all about like who do you find in a relationship with someone else is like what you do with like media now which i know is like always been a thing but i guess it's more mainstream and acceptable now so mm -hmm. it's kind of on everyone's radar so if you were to go into your eighth grade class and present a report about this <laughs> <laughs> nobody would bat an eye <laughs> well if you imagine that you know over time genre media has become more socially acceptable and more popular definitely since we were growing up for every x genre media fans there will be y who are heavily invested in shipping and the relationships so as x grows y will also grow and also totally. the, the tech for sharing that stuff like it all used to be on message boards right yeah. message boards and forums were where the ship forums oh yeah yeah <laughs> But now, you know, you've got Discord servers, you've got social media, you got TikTok, you got... It's a lot easier to find content. You don't have to just go onto Archive of Our Own. There's a lot of places with content for your particular ship and where you can yell at people and tell them that they're wrong. So... Which we will be doing on this show. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I think is interesting about their parallel development, uh, tying into one of my themes, which is magic systems, which I'll take one brief aside to say, I want to say that in episodes one and two, you've got some of that early installment weirdness where they call it magic. They call bending magic. Yeah. They call it magic powers. And that's just like a pilot thing. Either it's something that they brought up and then stopped doing because it just felt wrong for their world. Or they're like, okay, we have to put this in because nobody's ever heard of our world before. And we need to give them an entry point to understand. Because bending is the magic system of the world. It's 100% their magic system, just like the Force is the magic system of Star Wars. But in-universe, it's not magic. Or at least it's not otherized as magic. Because it's so integral to their world. And it, it was so strange hearing that. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, are there, were there no waterbenders in the Southern Water Tribe? Right, because it's mm -hmm. like, okay, all of the men lived, uh, they got attacked, but they got attacked by the Fire Nation. Mm -hmm. So they got attacked by firebenders. It, it totally feels like <laughs> discontinuity, right? Because yeah. nev Sokka never calls it that. Nobody ever calls it that again. It's, it's just a weird first episode thing. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Like, that's 100% how it feels in the writing. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of weird but then also and again i'm gonna kind of read extra into this but they're teenagers they're siblings and they only hang out with each other because they're their own age group right, right? everyone else is a kid there's no other yeah. teens left so how are you gonna annoy your sibling <laughs> <laughs> that's fair you know mm -hmm. so that's if you're going to put, like, why is this introduced? Well, it could just be because he wants to annoy the crap out of his sibling. And what better way to, like, mm -hmm. annoy your sibling than to call whatever it is that's, like, unique about them and be like, yeah, I, I don't get this at all. This is so weird. What are you even doing? Mm -hmm. 
looking at the parallel development, we see from the one of the and my other theme is exposition, right? I think that aside from some very heavy-handed stuff they have to do in the first two episodes, mm -hmm. the way that they parse out the lore about bending and about the Avatar is so good. Like, yeah. they discover, they learn about the Avatar state in the past lives by finding a temple dedicated to that instead of it just being a conversation they have while they're on Appa. They learn about firebending through seeing Uncle Iroh teaching firebending. Uh he he invests the physicality of bending when he's saying firebending comes from the breath the breath becomes energy in the body the energy extends beyond the body and becomes fire like that right there that's bending mm -hmm. that's almost the entire core now you get bending it's more yeah. complicated than that but that is it at its core so if we look at zuko zuko is already a firebender he's already able to hold his own in a fight he is better amongst our main cast at first, he is a more effective, powerful combatant than anyone mm -hmm. except Aang. Well, okay, that's... Uh, well, okay. There's a, I already have an asterisk on this. If you want to okay, go, you can go. let me finish your point, and then I got two things <laughs> I want to say. Okay. Uh, so, Katara is going to very quickly catch up with him, but the fact that she hasn't had access to a teacher this whole time means that she doesn't have the technique and training, and we, see, we hear her lamenting her lack of a trainer, and we see Zuko working with his trainer. And that's the parallel we have at the beginning. And then later on, we see Katara start to accomplish some things, even though she doesn't have a trainer. And we see Zuko defeat Zhao by sticking with his basics, which he was trying to buck earlier in the first two episodes. So I like the fact Zuko has this trainer. Katara does not have a trainer. They've got this, this inequality, this inequity between the two of them. But they're both on this learner's journey in terms of their power. Yeah. Um, what I want to say is that, um, oh, there, there was two points. I only remember Was one. it about Aang? I said he was. There was one about Aang and then mm -hmm. one where you going on about character. Um, or, oh, exposition. Yes. We also learn really good exposition from Aang's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Right. Because even though he's the avatar, he's like the outsider coming into the group mm -hmm. because he hasn't been around for a hundred years. So that's like a really smart way to have the person have it make sense that you're explaining things about mm -hmm. the world to this newcomer who's kind of not technically a newcomer to this world. And that's doubly brilliant going off of what you're saying because they can trade roles. Yeah. Right? Like sometimes you don't have one point of view character. You start to identify with all of them because sometimes Aang needs information they have and they have to explain it. But he also has all sorts of training from his monastic life and this ancient knowledge from being around 100 years ago. So they can yeah. take turns. That is not something I thought of. And that's really smart. It's super smart. It's super interesting. And we get a lot of flashbacks with mm -hmm. Aang's memories. So then we can also get his backstory, but it makes sense in the context of the show mm -hmm. because it's like, we need to know more about what was going to happen with Aang before he disappeared. Mm -hmm. Right. What was kind of going on before the hundred year war? What was going on with the Avatar? Why did he disappear? It like answers those very core questions about mm -hmm. the show for us. Like you said, without actually telling us. It shows yes. us in memories. It shows us in um, you know, conversations. It shows us in, what was it, the, the second or third episode when he goes to the Air Temple mm -hmm. and they're just gone. 
but it shows us why that's so powerful because it gives us his memories. It gives us, mm -hmm. you know, Monkeyatsu. And that was just like super sad. It was. Um, can we talk about the fact that Monkeyatsu had a statue of himself built while he was still alive? But that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. It's just a detail I noticed on this watch. Going back to your point, it is equal. So there's a few things you have to explain when you bring a, a consumer into a new world. Yeah. You need to get the rules of the world. Okay, they start out and they're doing a really good job of giving us the basics, but not overwhelming us so they can teach us new pieces of the rule. We have enough for a foothold. They're going to teach us new pieces of the rules as we go on. You have a point. Go ahead and then I'll continue. Yeah, which shows us Aang is the master of airbending. He has mm -hmm. his tattoos. Mm -hmm. But it shows us Katara as the beginner. Mm -hmm. And then it shows us Sokka who has no bending. So that dynamic right there is already interesting. And they're contextualized by Zuko, who is further along in his training and has a master, but is still struggling because of his own personal uh, trauma and failings. So we've yeah. sort of got all these different pieces of the process. One of the other things that it's really important to introduce to your viewers is not just the answers, because we're talking about how they're doling out the answers, right? And they're doing mm -hmm. it in a really good job. They're also introducing us to the key questions and making us care about those questions and their answers. The things you were talking about, what is the avatar? Okay, we yeah. know a little bit about it. Why are they at war? You know, they, they're hinting at these things and putting these things in early enough to make us care about the answers. Uh, Aang says, I never wanted to be the avatar. We don't really get that explained in episode three, but it starts to be explained. So we're already, oh, here's the thing we don't know and a reason to care. And the show does a really good job of doling out all those pieces in small bursts. And it really helps that they are kids. Yes. Because the show is meant for kids. So it's easy to relate in that way, but it also, you know, you can't have a drama where you're just heightened emotions the entire time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's no fun for anyone. And it's so called 2020. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm so sad right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you killed my joy. That's what I do. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> kids, kids show. Yeah, Emotional thank you. <laughs> right I, got, I got you. And so... And that's kind of what's fun is like you have Katara who is this serious character in the sense of like she takes herself seriously, mm -hmm. but she's also kind of thrust into this like tra traditional female role mm -hmm. of like the caretaker of the mother of like not being able to have fun because she has to take the role of being exacerbated at the like the silly boys, mm -hmm. which is annoying, you know, but that's also kind of like makes sense because you hear Sokka making so many misogynistic comments, mm. right? And so it's like, okay, that's kind of how that village is run, right? Not as bad as the Northern <laughs> Water right. Tribe. But we have no context for that yet. And he's like the only close to adult male we see. And we see him yeah. going through the motions of the male traditions. Like the scene where they juxtapose his warrior prep versus Zuko's warrior prep is great. Yeah. But that's like, he's alone. He's so alone, but he's still trying to bring all the baggage of the male warrior tradition since he's the, its embodiment, which makes him an even more of a pain in the ass about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's also like really sad that he is yeah. all by himself. So mm -hmm. what is a teenage boy supposed to do? Talk shit 
uh, you know what I mean? If there's no guidance for him and pretty much the only adult left is like grandma. Yeah. And like three adult women. And that's kind of who we see in the village. It's amazing to me that our first like culture that we meet is so gutted. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it really, until you watch more of the show, mm-hmm. it's sort of lost on you how devastated this situation is. Because it's just yeah. like, oh, we're here now and there's people. Okay, who are these people? You're not thinking about the fact that, wow, all the adults are off at war and like there's nobody here. And um, who are all the people that the gang run into? They're all refugees. Hmm. They're all people trying to make a better life, who are fleeing, who are just trying to survive this, you know, 100-year war. Did you read Animorphs? Yes. Okay. Do I remember Animorphs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Animorphs, uh, the ending gutted me because like I read those, I just gobbled up those books and the ending is traumatic. I I read online. It was very much like, yeah, you actually need to know what war is like. Here you go. Yes. I kept thinking about Animorphs when I was watching these episodes because they have the, when they're riding on the penguins, Katara, I haven't done this since I was a kid. And Aang says, you are a kid. Yeah. And you know, when Zuko shows up and he yells at them all for being children, and he's like, you're a teenager. He has this outside pre-war perspective of, wait a minute, we're all children who should be allowed to go through the development of a child and should be allowed to live a child's life. And nobody is, nobody has the space to do that right now. But in Avatar, uh, at, at least in the show, like they get to hold on to some of that. Mm-hmm. Even if I think in some of the post comics, the they deal a little bit more with like the fallout and the the emotional difficulty of everything that they went through. But like in the show, yeah, mm-hmm. they have their ups and downs, and yeah, they they bear some weight, but they still remain like children and relatively intact. Uh, and yeah. that that's one of Aang's calling cards that he brings to the table. And it's also kind of like really sweet because kids make friends so quickly. Yes, but like. In the context of the show, it makes sense that they're going to drop everything and help the Avatar. You know what I mean? But also, like, Katara's, like, ulterior motive of, like, learning waterbend. <laughs> which she's you know? really upfront about. Yeah, you know? which she's honest about, because, I mean, you know, who's she going to practice lying with? <laughs> <laughs> but it it makes, like, you believe their ease of getting along and going together. Because they set up that first episode so well of they're immediately connected. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain why I believe it. I, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't really know what happens where it's like, I buy into them like being invested in each other right away. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part like how they found each other because what's interesting and cool to me is that Katara's bending brought them to Aang. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's partly why she's like, my bending brought us here. Like, this person is the avatar. Like, our world is absolutely devastated. He's supposed to save us all. I found mm-hmm. him, so I'm going to go and help him no matter what. And that Even was. And that's an aspect of her power that is not appreciated by her brother. There's no one who can train it to her. It's like Mm -hmm. she has to wrestle with it alone. She Mm -hmm. feels a little bit othered for it. But Mm -hmm. that power does bring something into the world. So when you said that, 
I bought into it a little bit more because of course she would she would see that as as you know something about her bringing forth something good and amazing and that has a powerful effect on you yeah and then um you know who does ang see kind of rescue him almost Mm -hmm. and we get that beautiful shot of like his point of view of katara's face Mm -hmm. and it's like oh of of course it makes sense why he's like in love with her in the sixth episode yeah It's, it's, you know, he imprinted on her, basically. It's like a baby yeah. goose. But in, like, kind of a real meaningful way. Because she helps him through his own journey, but also mm-hmm. having her own journey. Yeah. You know, she has her own life, which is nice. <laughs> it is. It is. This show, you know, it's not perfect, but it it does a better job than most. Yeah. It gives of- her a lot of agency. Portraying people as people, giving them that agency, like you said. It's one of the reasons why we love it so much. Yeah. And then I think um, the other reason why it's so believable, right? I said I didn't know why, but now we're going to break it down. Is the call to action for all of them makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's brought about in a way that's so casual that it's not this big life-changing event event seemingly right it is but it's not portrayed that way like yeah. i think a good Don't example know it yet a good example i'm gonna let you get right back to it is when the way grand grand says like hey that's the avatar of course you're gonna go rescue bye like loving yeah. affectionate but just you know i love you guys go ahead yeah. be nice to your sister peace so fast so like low-key yeah um and that's probably why it was like oh this makes sense they're just kids on an adventure right and they haven't experienced anything outside of their tribe that's been devastated so of Mm -hmm. course they want to go out and explore more and it's also you know put out there that they're just going to the northern water tribe and yes it's on the other side of the world but that's a familiar culture it should be a safe Mm -hmm. place it's just a you know quick adventure across the entire planet and then you're fine and that's where we'll end Mm -hmm. right and we'll go to the northern water tribe i'll get to learn bending and then we'll see you on your way because we don't know anything about earth bending Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about fire bending so we can help you with water right but past that you're kind of on your own is how it's kind of presented so the fact that it you know continues on and they stay together makes a lot of sense but also it makes sense for why they are so easy to pick up and kind of leave mm-hmm. because like well we're just going to the northern water tribe which is just our sister tribe like you said it's it's our culture still mm-hmm. we're just going to go visit some distant relatives <laughs> and yeah. learn and get something that can help our people and then you know we'll figure it out from there but just yeah. one arc yeah and so, and what's the first book called? Water. <laughs> yes. So I, I really like that. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see, you know, and when I first watched it, I didn't really like Aang. But now that I'm watching it again, I really like Aang. What didn't you like about him? He was annoying. Fair. <laughs> and seemed dumb. Mm-hmm. valid you know but i was also what 16 (laughs) and kids are annoying because i'm you know i'm 16 i'm almost an adult yeah which 
who who in the show found Aang annoying? Sokka. Yes. How old was Sokka? 15. Six, 15, 16. I just looked it up. It was Zuko's 16, Sokka's 15, she's 14, Aang is 12. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I have the same perspective of Aang that mm-hmm. Sokka and Zuko have of Aang. He's annoying. You know, I have the same perspective of Katara when I watched it. Who finds Katara annoying? Sokka and Zuko. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's 14 and 14 year olds are annoying to 16 year olds. There's something, I, I don't know why, but I have this vague memory of 14 being awful. And I don't, but not just like, oh, that was a rough year, but like 14 year olds being annoying, including me. Well, that's probably because you started high school at 14. That Yeah. That checks so out. So you got introduced to Welcome all to the world. other 14-year-olds, and you're like... We're terrible. We are yeah. awful as a people. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really, I like that. I really found that interesting. Um, you know... But what I did like about Aang is that he's childish, but very self-assured. Yeah. You know, he's very, he brings the like almost level-headedness to the group. He has that spiritual background and like yeah. that background of, of loving discipline. You can see it in his interactions with Monk Yatso. Mm-hmm. He wasn't raised in a war-torn environment. He was raised by people who were trying to instill with him a, a holistic sense of being. And so yeah. he's a lot more together for a, a traumatized kid who fled and, you know, has a million souls inside of him. Oh, and I didn't I didn't realize when I first watched the show, but when Monk Yatso goes into his room and says, Aang, I'm not going to let them take you from me. Hmm. But Aang was already gone. I was like, oh, yes. Yes. That, that, but, you know, what kind of life could he have had? They told him he was the Avatar 12. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't play with any of his friends. You know, but also what was happening at 12 where the monks were like, we need to tell you that you're the avatar because we need you now. There's a war, a genocidal war going on. But not yet. Mm-hmm. But they, they're, you know, those are kind of the whispers Speaking of it. Speaking of not yet, I think that gets covered in episode five or six. We're supposed to only be talking about one through three right now. I I don't remember that. That we were going to talk about those, or that it didn't happen in that episode. That I mean, it okay. All right, anyway, okay, you're right. <laughs> your, um, your points are extremely valid. We'll come back to them. Uh, <laughs> um, last thing I want to talk about is what I love and found so interesting is that how did they get us? to root for Zuko in the third episode when he did the Agni Kai. I, I know have... how, but <laughs> I want to so... talk about how, which when I was rewatching it again, like this is the first time I've seen this, but I've, I have the background, but I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an adult now and it's 10 plus years later. How did they get me to root for Zuko when he had this Agni Kai, when we see him destroying, you know, attacking the Southern Water Tribe? And being like a, a brat. Yeah. And I really, I really like that it enjoys. So I want to hear your thoughts before I talk about my thoughts. I don't have notes about how would they make us root for him in the Agni Kai, but I do have notes on how 
they portray him from the very beginning as bratty <laughs> and like one of those villain one of those people who isn't clearly coded as an anti-villain but has a lot of room to be an anti-villain right mm -hmm. and then by introducing commander zhao Mm -hmm. Who's just a classic smug? He's literally voiced by like you know, he's a smug snake. He's clearly evil. They don't give him any redeeming qualities. They don't have any scenes designed to humanize him or whatever. And by making you know Zuko and Iroh try to lie really poorly against him, uh, the moment they introduce that character, they clearly set him as an anti-villain. They build the space for it in one and two, and then Zhao makes it really easy for him to be the anti-villain. Uh, but I don't have specific notes about... I have some combat notes I want to talk about, but how do they get us to root for him in the Agni Kai? I can see that. Like, he is presented as, this is the actual bad person. And they start talking about... And, and the actual bad person taunts him about yeah. his motivation, which is how we start discovering that, which further sympathizes him go on. <laughs> I think... Um... You know, we see an adult bully a child, which I don't know yeah. why people are still into Snape, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. But fair. we also see an adult bully a child about his trauma. Yeah. That wasn't his fault, but getting like bullied for it by mm -hmm. an adult. And then they set it up so we trust Uncle Iroh from the beginning. And so that character kind of makes us think, okay, if he is rooting for Zuko, maybe Zuko isn't going to be so bad, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the combination of bullying a child and Uncle Iroh kind of trusting him and also talking about his backstory, we kind of, in a weird way, want this underdog to win yeah it's totally framed like regardless of what well not totally regardless of what we know but it's 100 percent framed where it's not two bad guys fighting each other they, yeah they, they make it clear who we're supposed to root for that's what i'm saying yeah no you you have a really solid point and then also what's interesting is like we see zuko's warship as terrifying and then we right? see it and then we see a real warship <laughs> and it's like we start to understand the context of where Zuko plays in the hierarchy of the Fire Nation. Mm -hmm. And I think in the context of the Fire Nation, we kind of root for Zuko. Yeah. In the context of the world, fuck Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? So to me, that's really good storytelling. That's amazing. That's an amazing ability to get us to feel some type of way for somebody that has been set up for us to hate. Mm -hmm. And who antagon like literally dogs are protagonists for season. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, episode he's after team episode after episode after episode. But for some reason, we still kind of root for him. Mm -hmm. And I don't. It's just I don't know. That's just weird it's artful. and cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of storytelling and Zuko, mm -hmm. one of the things that they do a really good job with, and it, it, it ties into how fundamental bending is to not just the world building, but the storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. 
the fact that you know firebending is about power and energy and direction and earthbending is about resilience and waterbending is about flexibility and tensile strength and airbending is about freedom and evasion and they don't tell us almost any of these things but the fight scenes in the first three episodes when you have a fight scene in a piece of genre fiction it's very easy for it to devolve into CGI dudes beating up other CGI dudes or a fight scene for its own sake that doesn't actually advance the story. Right. And you've got fight scenes that advance the story as in, will he get captured? No, he, he escapes. Will he die? But these are all great pieces of storytelling. Uh, look at the fight between Zuko and Sokka. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sokka gets his ass handed to him immediately. He, he does all this work to uphold the warrior traditions of his tribe, gets knocked in the snow, just defeated immediately, humiliated. But his boomerang <laughs> comes back and works. And, like, his boomerang is going to be a core part of his character. And it's the yeah. clever weapon, right? That's the one thing that works. And Zuko is exercising restraint. Granted, he's rubbing it in his face, he's posing, he's showing off by being so dismissive, but mm -hmm. he's totally exercising restraint, aside from crashing his ship into them. But then when the boomerang hits him, he gets angry and he powers up his fire knives. Yeah. Right? So that's all we've just learned so much about the characters. The next fight, Zuko versus Aang, uh, yeah. especially when they're inside the, the room, right? Yeah. We immediately see, okay, here's some cool stuff that you can do with airbending. That's really neat. We see him standing behind his back. We start to see the evasion style. There's a touch I really like, which is where Aang does these little, like, hand twists to just extinguish the fire in Zuko's hands over and mm -hmm. over. There's mm -hmm. so many little pieces in there. But then the next thing, they don't have to tell us this. Up on the deck, why was Aang able to run, literally run circles around Zuko, but then he gets beaten and knocked in the water? It's because... Oh. Of Go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, no, say it. He goes to a static defense. He's just standing there blocking. And he can't do that. That's not what airbending is about. And that's not what Aang is about. And this is, it's never going to be referenced, this exact scene. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be a major character and plot point when we get to when he has to learn earthbending. It's mm -hmm. like, and they've already established that plot point about Aang goes with the flow. He's fun, etc. But he can't just be a bulwark and stand there and take it. Episode like two. It's already out yeah. there. I kind of took it a different way of that scene. I took it as he hasn't fought mm -hmm. in a hundred years. Did you hear that firework? I did. He hasn't fought in a hundred years and he hasn't had sustained fighting. Mm -hmm. Right? He did a lot of his fighting already. So it's like, what is his endurance for combat? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I took it. But I, I like what you're saying, too. And what you're saying makes sense. Because later on, when he's earthbending training, the whole thing is you have to stand here. You can't here, talk about that yet. No, I'm joking. You have to stand here and wait for the rock to come to you, and he's he can't do it. He just can't yeah. do it. Well, what's also interesting about that, too, is that the entire time he bends, he has fun. Yes. You know? Yes. And... What I really like about that is that you know he had to have trained how to fight firebenders when he was still living with the monks. Because mm -hmm. for him to have all that technique on how to dispel fire, you know that they trained him to fight against all of the elements. Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting and kind of cool. They um, never specifically bring that up. That's not something we ever see on... on but it clearly... Like you said, he's got the skill. 
he it had to have been like you said for him to know how to disperse his fire mm-hmm. by doing the hand movements while around Zuko. Like there's no other way he could have had that mm-hmm. technique if he wasn't explicitly taught how to use air bending against fire bending. You know? And what was interesting is is was this one of the three episodes where we see lightning bending? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. But, but- <laughs> But I know the conversation that Uncle Iroh has when he talks about that. I imagine that same conversation taking place in a different context at the temple. Well, what's also interesting, too, about that is that I totally ignored it when I first saw that. Mm -hmm. And I totally forgot that we saw that in an early episode. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, whatever. The Storm, which is a phenomenal episode. That's like a major plot revelation, emotional turning point of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally forgot that that was in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, the, the foreshadowing. <laughs> I love watching a show where it's clear that the creators had a plan. Mm-hmm. And they got what they were doing. And they knew where they needed to go. And they left some space to themselves in between. But, like, they knew the whole story when they started. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and then also to that point, you know... Which, okay, we're not supposed to talk about it, but I want to talk about it now because I might forget about it. All right. So, bonus spoilers when they um, have the blue mask. Yes, the blue spirit. Or should we just wait? <sighs> okay, stop it now if you don't want to. <laughs> if you don't... <laughs> like, here we go. All right. What I'm interested to see again, because I'm going to be kind of rewatching what I've already watched a few months ago is what made Aang feel like he could be friends with Zuko. And is it just that one moment where they're working together mm-hmm. or is it all of his interactions with him? And I don't need an answer for that. I'm just thinking about it. And that's what's on my mind right now. I think a good place to sort of tie that in together will be the very first moment when he says, oh, you're children. And he's like, well, you're just a teenager. That's that's sort of their first meaningful interaction, aside from knocking him on his ass with a penguin. Which, you know, it's kind of interesting because he still sees him as, like, maybe in the sense of, like, he do, he hasn't lived through the context of Fire Nation firebenders are bad. Mm-hmm. So to him, he's like, yeah, like, my best friends live in all nations. It's like, hey, you know, there's just there's some sort of a conflict or misunderstanding. I'm just going to move in here and diffuse it, whether it be with bending and martial arts or charm and and an appeal to peace. It's just it's clearly there's some sort of kerfuffle. <laughs> um, which, which I think can be explored in the sense of like, I don't like the idea that all firebenders are bad. Which the show does a really good job of avoiding from from the beginning, I would argue. Yeah, but I see a lot of memes, and I don't see people making that distinction. Mm-hmm. Which well, really, kind of bugs me. That's fair. Because it's like, okay, if you know, Fire Nation is modeled after Imperialist Japan, right? What happened to imperialist Japan? Well, there was no distinction made between the Japanese people and imperialist Japan. Like there was a distinction made between Nazis 
and the German people. You know what I mean? Are you insinuating and, that Americans have a problem distinguishing people f from like an overseas enemy that doesn't look like them? Because that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? Forget I said the word overseas. Well, you're subsuming that all Americans are white. <laughs> true, true. That's true. Um, but you know what I mean? So it's really kind of, I guess, critical that we maintain that balance of mm -hmm. firebenders are not bad. Imperialist fire nation right. is bad. The established system and its underpinnings have created an environment where oppression and war crimes can thrive. Yeah. And where there is social pressure to buy into that. Which, again, the show will show more of later. Yeah. And I just, you know, and I like that Aang as the Avatar doesn't buy into that. But he's also right. kind of not of this time. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I just really want to just make that a thing of like, we're making distinctions here. Mm -hmm. We got nuance. <laughs> the show did the work, but it's up to us to to pull that out of it and continue Show it. it yeah exactly because if you you know because i'll see memes of like what the fire nation shows it's like benders and it's just all fire nation and i'm like mm -hmm. yes but like <laughs> <laughs> we need under yeah so you know i'm not making excuses i'm not saying these are things are okay but it's like there needs to be an understanding of like not everyone from this nation is evil mm-hmm because this nation is not a monolith, which <laughs> has been applied to Asia, mm -hmm. right? Asians are not a monolith. Which is a ridiculous, like, if you ever actually go to Asia, and then you go somewhere else in Asia. It's totally different. Yeah. But even within countries, like, the U.S. is not a monolith. Clearly, we are <laughs> struggling with... <laughs> Our non-monolithic nature. You. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, I find that people really struggle with applying that same concept to Asia. Mm -hmm. Like, not everyone in Japan thinks the same. Yeah. Just like not everyone in the Fire Nation thinks the same. It'll be interesting to highlight that as we go through the show. It kind of makes me want to delve into the comics. I haven't really gotten into the comics, um, but they go through the post-war period and the difficulties of disentangling the colonialism of the Fire Nation, which has been in place for hundreds of years at this point, or at least 100 years. There are now people who have grown up there who don't feel that, you know, they weren't part of the... This is their home now. They were born here, but they're also the product of this colonial invasion and, and annexation of Earth Kingdom territory. It's a whole complicated thing that they actually go into in the comics, and I'm curious to see how they do it. Yeah, and then I was reading a lot of that, and it was like a lot of people were, well, because I wanted to know what was what happened with Zuko and May. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair. So um, I don't know if I want to spoil this, but I'll just let people read it. But they talk about um, people who try and make the Fire Nation great again. Yeah, it's a plot point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that'll be interesting, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're about nuance here, so. 
we I also no we are when we may or may not be about spin-off series comic books and further forms of media but uh which is it's it's difficult right because the main story is sort of it has a train to catch it has places to go it's got ground to cover and it has to try to lift up all these pieces of nuance so we have to work with what the show does in the time it's allotted yeah. where we don't see the fire nation for ages you know we don't actually see the fire nation and most of the time when we see it it's the imperial engine of the fire nation with a couple people here and there and i still feel like the show did a good job of humanizing it and doing exactly what you were talking about but it doesn't get a lot of mileage there's not a lot of space for it and so yeah. you really have to go into the weeds of the supplemental material to see that come forward totally um do you got anything else to say oh uh, i you know i could fill plenty of time but i think we've been at it for about 45 minutes i think all the the really cool everything else i wrote down is like nitpicking yeah i think the main points i wanted to talk about um i talked about and i think i'm good yeah awesome well thank you everyone for listening and bearing with us i'm really excited next week we're probably going to do episodes four through six Unless episode six is like the first half of Sozin's Comet or something or uh, the Solstice episodes, you know, one of those back to back, in which case we got to break it up. But we will definitely be doing more Avatar next week. More Avatar. Yes, more. more Avatar. 